Hi everyone, welcome to episode 30 of Student Radio Stories. This episode includes an interview with Liam Milburn. Liam is currently a freelance broadcast assistant for BBC Newcastle and has just finished up a year as the North East Regional Officer for the Student Radio Association. Liam also has his own podcast called The Naughtiest Naughty. Let's get into the interview and hear more from Liam about his radio journey. I'm here with Liam Milburn. So Liam, what is your current job now in the radio industry? So at the moment, I am freelancing at BBC Radio Newcastle. So I do a bit of what they call broadcast assistant work, editing, that kind of thing. Just whatever I'm taught to do, basically, whatever I can get my hands on. (laughs) So what do you enjoy about freelancing? In theory, freelancing is very flexible. It gives you the chance to do bits and pieces at different places. At the moment, a lot of people on staff contracts, you know, a lot of my colleagues are being made redundant, which is really awful. Um, I'm not in that position as a freelancer. So in theory, there should be kind of bits of work going around for freelancers because of that sort of thing. It's really awful for the people on contracts who are losing their jobs, but I've got that flexibility at the moment where I'm not at any real risk, which is great for me. But as I say, it's awful for my colleagues. Yeah. Um, every day is different, I guess, is, is, is a big part of it is that you're doing lots of different things it can be quite exciting it can be quite rewarding there's definitely a lack of job security there's definitely a lack a lack of not really knowing what you do week to week which can be a bit tiring but generally it's it's good fun I find it's good fun just being flexible and having a very varied schedule yeah so what past experiences have you had of working in the radio industry so the first thing I did was when I started my master's degree, I was doing some street team stuff at Sun FM, the commercial station in Sunland. I would dress up as a seagull. I would go out in public. I would um, scare children, <laughs> basically. <laughs> the costume was the most hot and sweaty, horrible thing you'd ever been in in your life. Um, you couldn't really breathe in it. But, you know, it was, it was a foot in the door. And then from there, I got to do some tech hopping. So there was one summer where we had, in Sunland, we had the tall ships, um, coming through we had the world cup we had the air show which was a big deal and i'd be in the studio doing all the techie bits from from back there the comfort of a studio which was quite nice and then from there that's when i got into bbc newcastle yeah so there was, there was that kind of stuff uh, there was some work experience at talk radio down in london that was quite useful that's when i realized that i did want to make make this work as a career and there was a bit of this is kind of unrelated to radio but it does relate to presenting somehow there was a a TV channel called Made in Tyne and Weir in the Northeast. Um, and I got to do a bit of film reviewing for them, which was pretty cool, which tied into my student stuff, which I'm sure we'll get onto. So yeah, what made you want to get involved with your university student radio station? So I'd always been interested in media since probably I could first like say words and understand words. Like we're talking like two, three year olds and a lot of it was TV back in the day. So I'd watch kids TV. I'd get home from school. I'd be like, I want to do that. I want to be on kids TV. And um, I guess that, that, that feeling of wanting to be involved in the media and telling stories never really went away. So when I got to school and I was about 14, 15, the opportunity for work experience came up. You know, you, you get like a two-week placement somewhere and it was a lot of like, you can go and work in a bakery. You can go and work yeah. in an office. You can go and, I don't know, clean streets or something. I was like, no, no. Um, I just saw on the notice board that had a, a, a vacancy at Spark, which is the obviously the student station in Sunderland. 
And um, I, I was like, I can't believe nobody's taken this. Like, this is a chance to go and spend two weeks at a radio station, listen to music, edit things, you know, just sort of muck about. I can't believe nobody's taken this. So, of course, I got on that. And then those two weeks is when I spent my first time in a real radio station, getting to do things, getting to be with fellow students in Sunderland. And I thought, this is where I want to be. So as soon as the chance came up to go to Sunderland for my degree, what, four, three years later, um, it was a no-brainer. It was a real no-brainer because I was already familiar with what they were doing there. I'd already seen the facilities. I think at that time, Sunderland was up there with some of the best facilities and student radio in the country. I think they still are. But uh, I think particularly then, I think they were really, really, really buzzing. And then, yeah, so I, I had a year at Spark where I wasn't really doing anything at Spark. I was in the university, but for whatever reason at that time, whoever was involved at that particular time just never got back to us. Um, we, me and a couple of friends were doing a film review program. We did it as a little pilot as a way of being like, oh, here's what we can do. For whatever reason, didn't really hear anything back. So we just thought, oh, well, sod them. We'll just do it ourselves. We'll just make it ourselves. We did it for a year. Nobody really listened to it. So we thought, hmm, people would listen if it was on Spark. So we um, batted down the door. We said, come on, we've been doing it for a year now. We've been doing quite a lot of good work. And then from there, we got in, finally. Did a couple of years on Spark. And then from there, did a few other bits and bobs as well. So what roles and types of shows did you have on your student radio station? So yeah, I started off doing that film review show, did that for a couple of years. But in the meantime of doing that, I started doing, I think the next thing I did, I started producing a drive time show, my mate Nathan, who I'd met in the first year of uni, but we'd been hanging out and stuff, both love football, both love radio, both love music. Um, so when the chance came up to do his drive time show, it was a it was a big decision. And then from there, getting to present a weekend breakfast show was good fun for, I think I think basically a full year of Sunday mornings. And back then, doing like Sunday every week, starting at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock that was a big deal back then. And now I'm starting work at like five at a weekend. I, I, I don't really realize how good I had it back then. God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so weekend breakfast and there was some daytime stuff. Some drive time stuff still a lot of stuff with Nathan and we we still work together now we did a late night show for a year which was crazy you know we we, we had the ambition of making it a phone-in show and Sparks doing a very good phone-in show at the moment uh, the bedtime Babylon didn't do a lot of phone calls we I think they're, they're, they're getting a lot more calls than we did but we just so we just pissed about basically we had, we had a laugh with it and just pissed about Oh, and, and two years producing a dance music show, which won awards, which is pretty exciting. Scott McGurty, who I still work with now as well, been doing his dance music show on Spark for 11 years. And uh, I'm proud to say I did two years of that, a small part of the history of that show. So yeah, all sorts of different stuff on air. And then behind the scenes, I was the deputy program director for just over a year as well, which was great because it got to combine all the experience of presenting shows and producing shows and then kind of I guess as part of a management role you are like executive producing other people's shows as well because you're giving feedback and you're kind of putting your hand in and saying you know I would do this a bit differently or that kind of thing so yeah it was a lot of stuff I crammed a lot into three years I'm quite proud of what I've done to be honest. <laughs> so what were some of your highlights from your time in student radio at Spark Sunderland? I think a lot of it I mean as I've said there it's a lot of it's a lot of working with mates like from doing it with Ryan and Joe for the film show and then with Nathan for like 
five years and then Scott as well. It's just been a lot of working with your best mates. I mean, that's, that's the best, that's the best thing in the world. If you can do a job or you can do work or work experience, that's just hanging out with your friends and having a laugh and making stuff that you can be proud of. That's, that's great. Aside from that, I think doing the dance music show is really rewarding because it's very fast paced. I think on spark, it's the show that feels most like being in the industry. I think things need to happen very quickly and um, you have to react very quickly. So I think a lot of my agility now that I've got in the industry comes from, from working with Scott, who's also got industry experience behind him from working in commercial radio and, and doing lots of other bits and bobs and, and still does present on um, amazing radio. So that was good. I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is that after doing two years of our, well, three years total of our film review show was getting to go to London to uh, meet Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo, who do the five live film program so we just went there and we we got to meet them and talk to them and watch their show go out and it was it was amazing it felt like you know three years of hard work all spent just copying off them basically and then we got to watch them do it properly so that was that was pretty incredible we we still talk about that and we still obsess about being there um to this day i think we're all still so proud of that and i think as well the late night show we did uh, me and Nathan, because it was just us mucking about, but from mucking about just came some really big ideas. And I think it's always important. I kept saying to Nathan that it was a, a lot of idea generating sessions that we do. Like the shows were so full of different ideas that even if they didn't really work, they led us down a, a path to something else. So I think the late night show was, was again, a real, real highlight of student radio. Yeah. So what involvement have you had with the Student Radio Association whilst in Student Radio and beyond? So I guess it'll have started off with when you first get into Student Radio, you hear about the SRA and you think it's some kind of like secretive club thing. You sort of people talk about it and you go, oh, I want to be part, oh, I want to be part of that. That's kind of cool. So it would be going to the training days. And I think in the Northeast, we've had some really good training days because we've got a lot of good people up here historically you know Dom Sterling Johnny Chambers have done stuff in the northeast Pef Soulsby before me was the RO in the northeast um getting to yeah, getting to go to training days getting to go to conferences I think I went to a couple of conferences before I became the RO and um it's just amazing to see what goes into them and I thought this this is a good chance to hone some skills in terms of organizing because obviously the training days are a lot of organizing things um it's a lot of networking which is great and but for me i think being the regional officer for the northeast for two years it was just about making sure the northeast was on the map in terms of radio um because the the radio industry has been i'm not going to say hit well i've just said hit it's changed because um there's been a lot of networking and there's been a lot of um deregulation and stuff so the Northeast had a lot of different shows. Now there's kind of only a few shows, or certainly in terms of commercial that come from the Northeast. I wanted to make sure that the Northeast was still on the map as it always has been. You know, we've had stations like Metro and then before that you've had like Galaxy and so many stations that are just so legendary and you have to protect that legacy, I think. So I wanted to make sure that the students coming from the Northeast were of a similar quality. And I, and I certainly hope that they felt empowered to go and make the northeast you know blossom in terms of, of, of student radio and kind of commercial radio and, and network radio when they when they do leave so a lot of it was about just kind of protecting the the region that i've been in my entire life 
I'm very home proud like that. <laughs> so as you mentioned there, you just finished up your time as the Northeast Regional Officer for the Student Radio Association. What have you enjoyed and what did you sort of set out to achieve in this role? Mm. Like I say, I think it was just about making sure the Northeast was on the map. I really just wanted to make people outside of the region take notice of us. You know, Sparks always had a big reputation. Um, or certainly from my perspective as somebody at Spark, we only ever heard of Spark from the Northeast and there was other stations and of course there was other stations. I wanted to make sure that everyone was on the, everyone was on the same footing and I think across my time over the two years, we are kind of all equal now. I think all five stations in the Northeast are really, really strong in, in particular areas, but um, I think they'll all be competing for awards really soon. I think they could, they've all got potential to be, you know, big SRA contenders. We're seeing more and more students going from these stations into industry jobs. You know, Purple have had somebody, Bertie, who's gone and, and, and now works for Audio Always, which is a, a big deal. We've had um, Spark people going off. We've, we've had quite a lot of Spark people go to BBC work like me. I think every station's got real potential and um, that's what I think we've achieved. We've got region of the, region of the year um, after my first year. And then we've had some great training days too. I think I'm really proud of the fact that we got Alan Robson to do a training day in my my first training day back in October 2018. So for those who don't know who Alan Robson is, he is like the legend of speech radio. Um, in local radio, definitely in the Northeast, I think everyone who works in radio knows Alan and knows just how amazing he is. He's been on the radio for over 40 years now and he's just he really deserves all the success he has because he's just such an engaging presenter. He really sucks people in. Uh, and from what, from what I'd heard, he didn't do a lot of these talks. So the fact that he came and did mine was a real honor. And um, he, I think he just stunned everyone. He talked for an hour about just about his career and about particular stories and memories. And I think it was emotional for everyone because his career has just spanned so much. You know, he's literally saved people's lives if they've called him on his late night phone-in show and um, and they've been in, in trouble, he's he's kind of saved their life. So he's, he's a bit of a hero to, to everyone in the Northeast. The fact that he came and did that was, was really, really astonishing. So I'm always going to be proud of that because I think he probably cemented in people's minds that day that they wanted to work in radio because it's capable of doing so much. Um, he's used it to its full effect. He's used it to its full power. So cheers, Alan. Really appreciate you coming if you hear this. It was nice of you to come. I think uh, it was just, it was mind-blowing. It was so amazing. So a more recent project of yours, I understand you have your own podcast, The Naughtiest Naughty, where you and Scott McGurty, who you mentioned earlier, are searching yeah. for the best hip-hop song of the 2000s. Tell us more about your podcast and how it came about. So I was in a car last year, driving back from a gig in London, and uh, Busted came on the radio and I said, oh my God, I love this song. It was what I go to school for. And I thought, I wonder if, well, first of all, I said, this is the best pop song of the noughties. And then I thought, mm, it probably isn't what actually is. And then I decided we needed to find out once and for all. So I got Scott on board who was 16 at the start of the, of the noughties and lived in like rural Northern Ireland. Um, I was four at the start of the noughties. So 12 years apart, different parts of the world, totally different upbringing, totally different opinions, experiences. And we just thought, let's, let's get through it. So for the last four months, we've 
been listening to pop songs of, from the year 2000, just the year 2000. We will continue to do so, I think, for the next three years. Every week we'll be listening to pop songs to try and find the very best one. So we, we listen to like eight or nine a week. At the end of the episode, we pick our favourite. It's, it's, it's the episode winner. And then it goes up against our series winner in a winner stays on sort of format. So mine at the moment is Daft Punk One More Time, which is a tune. Uh, and Scott's is Kylie Minogue spinning around, which is also a massive tune. But, um, so yeah, it's, it's good fun. We listen to a lot of pop music. We chat about it. We talk about the historical significance. We sort of have a laugh at the haircuts and the costumes and the clothes and stuff. Um, it's, it's good fun. We, we have a laugh. We're hoping to kind of get some traction for home and get some guests on. It's still very much work in progress, even after like four months of doing it. I think it'll always be work in progress. But yes, if you want to check it out, if you like pop music, if you like history, if you like just, again, pissing about, go for it. The naughty is naughty. <laughs> so where can people listen to your podcast? We are on spotify we're on apple podcasts we're on stitcher which i hear is going through a particular boom at the moment um aircast we're on pocket casts i think most most things now i think most things now yeah so finally what advice would you give to those that are interested in getting into the radio and podcast industry i always feel really underqualified because of the way i got into do my current job because I was doing stuff at Spark and then the BBC reached out to us looking for somebody. Um, so I never had like a formal job interview and I had, didn't have to apply for anything. I kind of, I got headhunted, so to speak, which I guess doesn't happen by accident. And I'm very honoured that it happened. So I always feel underqualified and I always feel like I've got massive imposter syndrome. But I guess what I can say is be nice. It's what everyone says and it's what I agree with. If you're nice, you'll get far. If you're not nice, radio bosses aren't daft and they'll sniff you out and you won't get very far. So be nice, be nice to everyone, regardless of whether they are at the very top of the management, whether they're the breakfast show host, whether they are, I don't know, anything. If they're in that, if, if that's true of all of life, be nice to everyone. You shouldn't really be nasty to anybody. There's no reason for it. Uh, I'd say make the most of every, every opportunity you get because you make your own luck. I think I got, I always consider myself quite fortunate getting the job that I got and getting the opportunity to work at the BBC, you know, whenever my lanyard hits against my chest to go, oh my God, you actually work at the BBC. That's pretty, that's pretty mad. You make your own luck. If an opportunity comes up, if it's the right thing, go for it and really make the most of it while you're doing it. Do it with a smile on your face. One of the first things that happened to me at the BBC is I was doing a shift and the presenter next door buzzed through and said, God, you're miserable, aren't you? Just, you're not smile at all. Like, you know, you, you can be happy. You can be happy to be here. And I thought, actually, yeah, he's right. I, I'm very fortunate to be here. I'm doing the job that I've always dreamed of. I need to just kind of, yeah, it's a good thing. There's, there's much worse jobs you could be doing. So now I try and do, a, do my work with, my, with a smile on my face, regardless of what I'm doing. Even if I'm editing the most, not that I ever do, because BBC does some good stuff and uh, we should be funded <laughs> better. Um, I always try and do a job with a smile on my face, even if it is the most boring thing in the world. I think that's always true of anything. So yeah, be nice, make your own look and make the most of everything that you do and you'll go far. Well, thank you, Liam, for talking to me on the podcast about your time in student radio, your work with the Student Radio Association and about your freelancing work now. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me.
Thank you, Liam, for sharing your radio journey with me. Stay tuned for more student radio stories to come. Bye, everyone. Thank you.